Okay, at this time we're blessed to have our sermon for today brought to us by our elder Barnabas Grayson and the message entitled, Gird Up Thy Loins. me shaking. Getting a handout again, so uh, you can refer to that as we go along. might help you to keep up, and it'll help me to keep up, I think, too. Sometimes I don't go through all of the scriptures that I've noted there, and I will try to keep this as short as possible, because I know our stomachs will be grumbling before too long. Mine is already. Some refer to this day as Rosh Hashanah, literally the beginning of the Jewish year. In the Bible, however, it's called uh, Yom Teruah, which means day of shouting or blasting as of a uh, trumpet or a horn. Now, why is that? On this day, one can imagine that the nations that surrounded Israel must have heard these loud sounds coming across the countryside and wondered what's going on over there. But a celebration was taking place that was festive, it was clamorous, and it had deep meaning. And today, with it being a regular work day, people passing on the street nearby may look over here, see all the cars, see all the people smell the food perhaps, and and wonder what's going on over there. Why is that church meeting on a work day? Today there are many who are here who are not without some sacrifice of having asked for time off from work, of having asked uh, to leave work, their jobs, their livelihood today, of earning their day's wages. But today we observe the feast of trumpets. As mentioned earlier, it points to the return of Christ Jesus, a time when truth will prevail, a time when peace will prevail, a time when justice will prevail, things that we all would like to see in this world of ours. Let's begin with the book of Leviticus chapter 23 where it says, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. You know, that's the people of God. And say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts, which is, this word feast is pronounced Moad or or Moadah. And it means an appointment. That is a, a fixed time or season, specifically a festival, and by implication, an assembly as a uh, meeting convened for a definite purpose. Again, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 24, the Lord spoke, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpet, trumpets and holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So this day is one that is set apart for fellowship, 
for gathering together and, and for rejoicing and certainly for the food and the drink that goes with it. And of course we are blessed to have music, to have singers, to have praise and worship that makes this holy convocation a special time, a special day. Now on one hand, we celebrate this day as a day that points to good news ahead. Points to the return of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the saints, and the establishment of the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, it also points to a time of tribulation, a time of trouble, a time of trial before this age passes into the millennial age of the kingdom of heaven. So in Matthew 24, we read where Jesus said concerning the times ahead, he said in verse 20, to pray that your flight, that is your escape, be not in the winter. As some uh, commentators uh, say, not in the rainy season, not in the storm, neither on the Sabbath day, saying, uh, verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation or great affliction, it's from the Greek word philipsis, meaning pressure, such as was not since the beginning of the world or this age to this time, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. In the early days of the church, the apostles knew of the things that were coming. But they still preached the good news and they taught many. As Acts 14.22 tells us, it says they preached, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So we know that a lot of things can impede our faith, can get in the way of our beliefs and our hope for uh, the future. And they preached that we should continue in the faith no matter what. So to have tribulation is to have great affliction, to be put under pressure, to be squeezed, to have troubles and hardships. So this day not only looks ahead to troublesome times, to disruptive events, as, we, as Matthew had said in the, in the sermon on, on Sabbath day. But it also goes beyond to the good news, and that is the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, there are some who believe that Christ's return will come about on the day of trumpets. Some look for a so-called rapture on that day. But it does seem logical because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 through 17, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Just out of uh, curiosity that perhaps some of us may have, how many in here ha are... Uh, keeping or observing their 50th uh, Feast of Trumpets. You can raise your hand if you want to. I have Art and Lawrence, David. So, some of us may be the first time. I don't know for sure, or maybe it's the 10th time. But there was a time when 
the Feast of Trumpets pointed to something that was going to happen just right around the corner, like in 1972 or 1974. So you run down to the corner and look down there and you don't see anything coming. But some of us remember those days. But it does seem logical that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, which is what the trumpets uh, reminds us of. Now the trumpet is often seen as a symbol of war, and it makes for a very loud warning sound, an alarm, or a calling. So under this heading of gird up your loins, this is something we should consider as we look to those days that are ahead. We know that the day of trumpets is a reminder from the eternal to his people of things to come, both good and uh, bad, not so good things that are to come. We know that the world today is filled with much violence as it was in the days of Noah, one of the signs uh, of the approaching end. We know that there are dangers of all sorts in this world, evil things happening all over the world. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, as if to, uh, in parenthesis, as if to abstain from wine, and be watchful, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. To gird means to encircle or to secure with a belt or a band, uh, you know, with loins, you know, you think, well, that's, you know, that's around your waist. You know, you gird them up. Make sure the wind doesn't blow it up or something like that. So, you be sure. But to encircle or secure with a belt or a band, here it means to prepare and strengthen, be strengthened for what is to come. Perhaps we wonder... And I wonder often too, when will this age end? When will that day come when the kingdom of heaven is established on the earth? If we go by the Jewish year as estimated from the time of creation, the year is 5778. 6,000 years we've uh, heard, that's the time allotted for man to do his thing. And learn some hard lessons that he can't do it alone. But needs Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the way. We just hope he soon returns. Especially when trials, tribulations, troubles. You know uh, hit us directly. In, in our life. Or in, even in the life that. Uh, even in the years to come. First Thessalonians chapter 5. It says. But of the times and seasons. Brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. It will come as a surprise on those who are not alert. On those who are not watching. On those who are not sober. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As travail upon a woman with a child, with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day 
that is, you know, the day of the Lord, should overtake you as a, as a thief. You are all the children of lights and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So as we see and what this day of trumpets teaches, we find warning and things to watch for so we won't be taken by surprise. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 7, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. You remember in 1 Corinthians 13 where the Apostle Paul said, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Verse 9, For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you look at the day of trumpets and all of the things that are going to come upon the world, you wonder, well, how are we going to escape? How are we going to get out of this? Is this wrath meant for us? But God has not appointed us to that day of wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, we are ob obtaining that salvation. And in those days to come, many will be converted and they will obtain salvation. Jesus Christ, verse 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we are alive or dead, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. Like all appointed holy days there in their season, they were prophetic in nature. They foretold the salvation plan of God through the coming of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And by observing these holy days, they establish our faith. They, they connect us to the past and they give us uh, direction and hope for the future. Again in Leviticus 23, the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. So today, Yom Teruah, if you want to pronounce it that way, it's a day of clamor. It's an acclamation of joy or a battle cry, a clangor of trumpets. As an alarm, a day of shouting, of blasting. So we know from the seven days of the uh, feast of Passover and unleavened bread through the seventh Sabbath to Pentecost, we do come to the, the feast of trumpets in the seventh month. month. This month is a sabbatic month because it is the seventh month and in it are three feasts given for us to observe. We have the feast of trumpets which is the first day of the seventh month. We have the day of atonement on the tenth day of the seventh month. And beginning the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Feast of Tabernacles that ends with the, the last great day. The number seven is symbolic of completeness and perfection. In a book entitled Biblical Mathematics by Ed F. Valowie, he made a number value study of the scriptures. 
And he noted that seven is used more than any other number in the Bible. 735 times except for the number one, the meaning unity as, you know, Christ saying, I and my Father are one. You remember John chapter 3 and verse 14 through 15, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Then it goes into uh, the famous uh, verse uh, of John 3.16. So they were both one in agreement, one in purpose, one in mission, and that for our salvation. And the holy days were provided for us to see the meaning behind each of these days and what they point to. And in John chapter 17, verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. So in regard to this number seven, God rested on the seventh day, we know. That there were seven days in the week. Seven days of creation. There are seven notes on the musical scale that God set. And before Moses and Aaron, or before Aaron and his sons did their priestly work, they were consecrated seven days. On the day of atonement, the high priest sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice upon the mercy seat. And before the mercy seat, seven times. A picture of completeness and perfection uh, of the redemptive work of Christ. Hebrews 9.12 tells us, By his own blood he entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal uh, redemption for us. We also see this number seven many times in the book of Revelation. This past week, I uh, got an email from an uh, acquaintance down in North Carolina, and, and he brought to my attention something that I had uh, forgotten about, and that he was going to uh, preach about on, at, at his, in his congregation. And it's, it has to do with the red heifer. Now, we've always, uh, it's always been the aim of the Jewish faithful to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. It seems there is a, already a priesthood that is being prepared for that particular purpose to carry on duties within uh, when it's rebuilt. But it's going to take a peace accord to have access to the holy site, that temple mount area. But before that, everything must be ready to go. There must be a ceremonial cleansing in which the ashes of this red heifer is required. Now this is a rare breed. According to recent news, New York Post of September 9th, 2018, an all red heifer was born in the land of Israel. And the Israel, uh, Israel News, breaking news says, August 28th, 2018, it was born. And so it's a candidate for sacrifice, which is, if it remains without blemish, which is essential to the uh, construction of a third temple in Jerusalem. 
And this would be a sign of the last days. It's, you know, we just have to wait and see how that goes. But it's the first one born in Israel for 2,000 years. Uh, don't do it right now, but you can go to YouTube and type in Red Heifer and then the Temple Institute. And uh, you can see for yourself some of these, uh, uh, these breaking news, as they call it. But a lot has been said about this on the internet, and it could be a sign of things that are going to happen in the next several years. But we know that it is Jesus Christ who will cleanse the temple area, and not the blood of bulls or goats. So on the first day of the month, of the seventh month, the day of trumpets awakened the Israelites of what would be coming. Ten days later, we have the day of atonement, Time for forgiveness, redemption, symbolizing a national cleansing of the world and of the holy people. And the temple when sin will be removed, sent away. Christ you know, is our high priest. He is our atonement. The blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. And this event, that event comes in order right after the day of trumpets, ten days later. And it signals the day of the Lord the day of wrath, of tribulation, and Christ's intervention and return, and when the saints shall possess the kingdom. Zechariah 14, verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. So some miraculous things are to happen when that is established. Then after the atonement we see comes the millennium which is pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles. In Zechariah uh, 14, 16, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And then comes the last great day after the thousand years are finished. Time of completion and restoration of all things in the seventh month. So the day of the Lord is at hand. And we often correlate the Feast of Trumpets with the day of the Lord and the day of wrath. In Isaiah chapter 13, speaks of the noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as, of, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together, the Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. You remember in Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7, where it said that the mountain, that the government shall be upon his shoulders, speaking of Jesus, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So that's what we look forward to. That's what is one of the things that the Feast of Trumpets points to. We read about, we've heard uh, 
previously about uh, signs in the heavens the stars of heaven in verse 10 and the constellations thereof shall not give their light the sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to, uh, to uh, shine even though the sun will you know the earth will rotate the sun will be where it is it will not penetrate these, these uh, clouds of gloominess that, that is to come and, and the moon won't give her light now this is the day of the Lord and it is a rather pessimistic foretelling of that time to come. Joel chapter 1 says verse 15 alas for that day for, for the day of the Lord is at hand and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Zechariah 14 again behold the day of the Lord comes and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives in that day. So that this day to come is the day of the Lord or Yom Yahweh it points to the return of Jesus Christ at a time when this age has reached its fill of evil and now it is time for righteousness to shine forth Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 14 the great day of the Lord is near it is near and hastes, hasteth greatly even the voice of the day of the Lord and the mighty man shall cry there bitterly that day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness as was talked about before it is a disruptive time but we're not appointed to that day of wrath but it is a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers and I will bring distress upon men so in 1st Corinthians uh, the Apostle Paul equates the day of the Lord to the return of Jesus Christ in 1st Corinthians 5 5 says the same thing in 1st Corinthians 1 and verse 8 and also in Philippians 1 3 through 5 now just note verse 6 where it says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we have to let Christ work in us. We have to want to work it under his righteousness to be as he wants us to be and to live in him. 1 Thessalonians 5 it says but of the times and the seasons brethren you have no need that I write you for you, you, yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the, in the night or they shall say peace and safety so that's one of the signs one of the things that will awaken us to the time that is getting near how close are we who knows but of that day as Matthew uh, chapter 24 says but of that day and hour knoweth no man 
No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. With Jesus there beside at the right hand of the Father, perhaps he knows by now that time. But at this time of speaking, he did not know. And he could not tell the disciples. Amos chapter 3 verse 6 says, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord has not done it? Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So what will be known will be found in the word of God. As you know, as in the book of Revelation. So Mark chapter 13, we're to take heed, we're to watch and pray, for you know not when that time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch you therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house comes at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. I think I've already uh, mentioned First Thessalonians 5, where it says to let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So we know in Matthew 24, it talks about those heavenly signs, gathering of the elect, that immediately after the tribulation of those days, verse 29, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and so on. And then, verse 30, shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. my uh, papers out of order but uh, concerning the holy days reality is found in Christ Jesus we know the holy days of course point to Christ as the Lamb of God who became our sacrifice for sins and he's our redeemer so the holy days are important observances Colossians 2 tells us let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink that is, you know, don't let anyone condemn you in what you eat or drink. Or in respect of a uh, holy day. Or of the new moon. Or of the Sabbath days. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Meaning, the reality is found in Christ. He's the focus of the holy days. The Sabbath days. And those Sabbath days, be they appointed holy days or the weekly Sabbath. The weekly ones. They identify God's people. It's a sign of separation between followers of Christ and those who are not. Keeping of the Sabbath from Ezekiel. These days are important. He says in Ezekiel 20 verse 11. 
I gave them statutes, showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. He sets us apart. The Sabbath is one of those signs that sets us apart. In a paper that I read <clears throat> as to why holy day observances are a sign of God's people, it's, uh, this, uh, this author wrote, and I don't, don't know the name of the person who wrote this, but he says, why is the keeping of the Sabbath a sign of God's people? He said, a person can keep nine of the Ten Commandments of God almost in complete secrecy. Even the royal law of love in secrecy. But it is almost an impossibility to hide for any length of time the fact you keep the holy days. The first thing that is noticed is that you cannot do any physical labor on these days. You are to rest. And on the day of atonement you can't work, eat, or drink. And since these days fall on different days, it makes it impossible to hide the fact that you are observing them. So when you know you ask for time off from work. You know sometimes they'll ask. Well what are you doing? What do you, why do you need off? So it's a sign. It is. So we do. So what we do in observing the holy days. Is a witness. It is a testimony to living in the light. Of the eternal. The almighty God. Who has delivered us. From the power of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sin In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. The apostle Peter wrote. And he was addressing God's saints. And he, he said to them elect. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the spirit. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So we know the elect are, the, are, are God's chosen ones. Called to be holy who are in Christ Jesus. And it says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us. Again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible. Undefiled. That fades not away. Reserved in heaven. For you. So we have this inheritance. It's reserved for us in heaven. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed. In the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season. If need be. You are in heaviness. Through manifold temptations. Things that test us. Things that pressure us. Even though we have problems. And trials that come upon us. Things that pain us. Cause us worry. Cause us sadness. 
We miss our loved ones. And we despise the evil of this present age. Longing mightily for the kingdom of God to come. And put an end to the sufferings of people in this world. When that day of trumpet sounds. We know that the dead in Christ will be made alive. But in this life we will have tribulation. But the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory in the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, you believe, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 13. Wherefore, again, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we are to have our minds ready for action. To stay alert, to keep alert. To set our hope completely on the blessings that we are promised when Christ is uh, come and we see him. To be sober, hope to the end for that grace that is to, to be brought unto us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As stated earlier, as I said earlier, the Feast of Trumpets has given us as a reminder from God to what this day represents. And we can go through a lot of other topics and contents on this. But we see this is the first day of the seventh month, a sabbatic month in which the holy days conclude with the solemn day of atonement and then the Feast of Tabernacles with the last great day, all in the seventh month. When the divine plan for man's salvation will be completed. So in the Bible, and I'll be coming to the last part of this here. We see the trumpet used as a warning signal, as a call to assembly, as a call to arms or to battle, and with a sounding of a momentary event you know that is to come like the year of Jubilee like every 50th year you know uh, the next holy day we're celebrating is a day of atonement announced with and the special one at the year of Jubilee is announced with the sounding of a trumpet I'd like to close with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know I've uh, gone out of order on, on these things, but you can put them back in order if you want to read it and go back over it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 14 through 18. It says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Exhort one another with these words. So there are many of us who have loved ones who have fallen asleep. And wait that day of trumpets. But imagine that time to come when we shall meet them in the air. And there they are. When your feet shall leave the ground and, and, and you zoom right up into the air. So what a day of shouting. What a day of rejoicing that, that will be. So gird up your loins and be ready. I guess you can gird up your loins. You're ready to eat now. <laughs>